We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel. Find all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. But Sean, I like to say at the start of these draft shows that we jump on, we're ready to go, we're really into it as fast as we can. Today, we are truly into it as fast as we can. We are going to jump into the regular 60 second clock draft. Then we happened to see a sit and go. We thought maybe we'll try that. Then the sit and go filled extremely quickly. Then we were on the clock. Things happened fast. We are three rounds into this draft, but we did have to make those couple of first picks really rapidly. So we can give the listeners an update. We know what draft slot we have. It was the 104. We know three of the players we have. They are Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, and A.J. Brown. How are you feeling as we take a breath here before it gets back to us? The current pick is the 402, so we'll be picking them at the back end of this fourth round. How are you feeling about how the draft has started, and was that as frantic a start to a, a draft as we've possibly ever had? It was. As you mentioned, we decided to switch at the last minute. We're doing some holiday weekend drafts here. One of the fantastic things about the FFPC best ball tournament is that you can get into a sit and go. You can do that 30 second clock if you want the draft to be a little bit faster. And if it looks like one is going to fill, you don't necessarily have to wait till the next hour time slot, which is sort of the situation we found ourselves in. Now, because it was two of us instead of just one, and we were also trying to coordinate for the pod. We did find ourselves in a situation where we auto-picked our first round selection, which, you know, in a $125 tournament is not exactly what you're hoping to do. But one of the reasons that happened is that we had the 104, and you're never going to complain about that. Cooper Cup is actually the player I have been wanting to get. I have everybody else in one of these big drafts. So I'm ecstatic at the way that that turned out. And then, Colin, we came back with the Ben Gretsch slash rotoviz overtime special took t higgins and aj brown at the more or less two three turn cup higgins brown does it seem like it's already won this this is a fun way to start the draft it's a very fun way to start i have mentioned a lot that that is my preferred two three turn is t higgins aj brown and this scenario worked out perfectly for us so we will be back up we'll dive into those first three rounds in a moment to give a little bit more context to them but 30 second clock one pick away so gabe davis is just african off the board he would have been in that zone who we have in our queue at the moment is Brees hall deontay johnson marquise brown jerry judy that is the range we are currently in 
John, we haven't drafted a huge amount of, well, I haven't drafted as much Brees Hall. I know I've made you pass on him in a few drafts. Wouldn't be against it here in this best ball tournament to pair it up with the three we've started with. Wide receiver-wise, though, it's uh, Deontay Johnson or Jerry Judy for me at this point. But Yeah, well, let's still go wide receiver here. Do you have a preference between those two? I would go just by ADP. I'd go Deontay Johnson. So we'll grab Johnson. He's a fantastic pick in the 409 I'm also, I'm also delighted that I give you the option to draft a running back and you didn't. So, Well, I mean, the situation was a little bit different here than, than in our main event. But <laughs> I... I do feel very comfortable going with these receivers. I do have Brees Hall in some other drafts. Hall is one of my highest rostered players through the course of drafts this year, so I don't absolutely have to get another one. I do think we'll have some other options in this particular draft. In the wide receiver heavy start, extremely favorable, I think, in these best ball tournaments. Now, because we had the 104, we weren't in position to get one of the elite tight ends that is the advantage you get in the back half. We weren't that far away from having Kyle Pitts come back yeah, to that us, was, which would have been absolutely perfect. I was on Kyle Pitts' watch, yeah, very much yeah. so. So Kyle Pitts doesn't come back. Gabe Davis doesn't come back in the fourth when we had T. Higgins. That was the one Jerry I really Judy comes really back for. But now we have this great selection between Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman. I think it has to be one of those two players. We're going to have an almost unparalleled wide receiver group in the tournament, even with other wide receiver heavy drafters out there. Yeah, I would go Judy. I know you like Bateman. I know we didn't take him in the previous draft, so I'll let you have this one. We got Judy. We got the Cooper Cup. We got the 2022 Cooper Cup there. There you go. Cup squared in this particular draft. And Deontay Johnson is the other one that Ben and I have talked a lot about as being that possible guy. Again, we don't expect anybody to jump to the 25-point scoring level that Cup has, but if there are players who could absolutely destroy draft spot, if there's a guy who could come from this draft price and get up there in that 21 22 points per game obviously that would be a scoring level as well I mean, again it just underlines how extraordinary cup season was last year because if you could get to within like three and a half points of him he'd be an absolute league winner i do like having these five wide receivers to start they give us a lot of different ways to play quarterback later yeah the, the one thing sean i really like about it so far is we talk about sometimes how drafts play out and wide receiver avalanches and things like that, but we are the only team so far through those opening five rounds with four wide receivers or with five wide receivers, but nobody else has more than three. And it is going to be a situation where we'll see what happens across this round, but there is only potentially two other teams that would have three wide receivers come that point. So uh, we are avoiding an avalanche, which gives us hopefully a nice little start to this draft the the parts of the start to head on cooper cup was the fourth pick overall it went with taylor mccaffrey jefferson and then cup travis kelsey went fifth we would have been having a decision there between cup and chase but i've been fortunate enough recently to get a lot of jamar chase and draft so like you haven't had a huge amount of cup in recent weeks and yeah the the auto draft worked out well for us if we had been drafting at the 106 or the you know the the 109 uh maybe it wouldn't have fell as kindly for us on that auto pick but that worked out you mentioned kyle pitts he did go in the mid second round i was very much on kyle pitts watch for anyone who listened into our main event draft from this past weekend we did kyle pitts at the 107 so if we had got him there we would have been uh, licking our lips but we get t higgins we get aj brown two of our favorite guys there and um 
I think we're off to a fast start. Anything really of note outside of that for you in those first two rounds? I guess the one thing I would mention is um, we see Mark Andrews go at the 112. We see Kyle Pitts go, as we mentioned, in the middle of the second round. George Kittle went at the 210 in this draft. That's as early as I've seen him going. Then we also see Darren Waller going at the 311. Dalton Schultz going at the 401. So wide receivers have hit off early. And again, that should expose us to some potential other values like it has here with the likes of Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy at the spots that we have been able to get them. You mentioned that we don't have the elite tight end. That's something that we're going to have to look at coming up. May even be an option for us to, to look towards TJ Hawkinson here at this point. But outside, Sean, of those opening rounds, everything else is kind of, I'm looking through the picks here, pretty pretty close to the standard um, outside of the fact that we haven't any other very heavy wide receiver teams, which is always the the dream. How, how are you feeling as we look at this draft board so far? And then who are some of the prime targets here at the back end of the sixth round for you? Well, we spent a lot of time talking about how to thrive if you get one of the lesser picks because that is a real issue, right? And the team out of 11 has done a fantastic job here with Devontae Adams, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller. One of the things I would strongly recommend is to take that tight end in those first couple of rounds if you have one of the late picks. That drafter doesn't do that, but does come back with Darren Waller in round three. Waller, really the other great option there, has Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, Ayuk. So they have the elite tight end, they have the anchor running back, they have the four wide receivers. That team will be one to keep an eye on. Yeah. We are now three picks away, and it seems to me like the value is still going to be at receiver. The other strong selection here would be TJ Hawkinson. He goes two picks ahead of us. What are you seeing? One of the things that I have hit on a number of times recently is the zero RB is very easy in 2022 because there's almost no penalty for going with those early receivers i think we have a lot of running back options in that 8 to 15 round range to get us up to the level that you're going to have to have for best ball right i mean it's not going to be a zero rb redraft type of draft where you could just take three or four guys and then you really hammer in free agency on the waiver wire throughout the course of the season you do have to have your numbers in best ball but i think we have a lot of paths to get there yeah, so Darnell Mooney went one pick before us. That was going to be the pitch I was going to make. We do have an option of Dallas Goddard, potentially as well, tied down if you want to go that way. We do have not as much time to filibuster here. Elijah Moore is probably the other wide receiver that I'd be looking at here. Then we do have options, though, of Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray, all as possible options here. If we, How are you feeling? And we have no time I would go either Elijah Moore or Drake London. Okay, Elijah Moore does then. Let's do it. Not as much time for the Sean Siegel filibusters here on, on this draft as we, we go rapid fire. It is interesting, Sean, though, to do the FFPC drafts with the 30-second clock while recording the show because obviously for people who have heard us drafting on underdog, it is a 30-second timer. So it is that little bit sharper as you go around picks. you know, And we are pretty close to the turn, so it's happening pretty quick. The reason I was happy to pass on quarterback there is we did have multiple very strong options available, but... The other quarterback that did go who would have been of interest to us was Joe Burrow. He went a couple of picks before us. Um, interesting, the Hawkinson drafter also is Chase. He passed on Burrow, uh, and then uh, he took Hawkinson instead of Burrow. And then, obviously, the, the drafter after him then takes Joe Burrow to leave us with not having that conversation. Um, 
I mentioned Goddard there, Sean. I have drafted Goddard a little bit this year, uh, more so in the last month. I just find that his price is kind of appealing to me where he's currently going. Is he somebody that you have targeted much at all? I was also thinking of the possibility of pairing him up with uh, Jalen Hurts, who goes in this range as well. I think that I have Goddard on my breaking all the rules draft. And so he's definitely in the mix when he falls. I don't like him breaking team one's breaking all the rules here. Um they've they've gone just oh they've gone three quarterbacks there. They're in a good spot here. Uh, so well, that, they have they have auto drafted at the wrong point. It's an, an auto pick, yeah. It is an auto pick, but uh <laughs> and that's unfortunate for us because we could have really used one of those guys. If they don't auto pick, there's a pretty good chance that we're able to get either Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. So, you know, again, that, that's kind of the way some of these things work. It is unfortunate. I think that now we probably have to come back with Trey Lance in this pick. Okay. I'm happy with Lance there. The, the reason I kind of just said okay was we did miss out on the other options we were potentially talking about. After our last pick of Elijah Moore, Lamar Jackson went the next spot then dallas goddard who we had mentioned then kyler murray then hurts then london who sean had mentioned when we touched on elijah moore then christian kirk then we take trey lance the other name that's there in the mix that would have been of interest but we already have aj brown which kind of limited that you mentioned dallas goddard as well that was a good point obviously in the way that we have built this roster with aj brown in it those teams that i would have um goddard and would be non aj brown teams in in those situations Devontae Smith was that other player that we could have potentially looked at there. But um, yeah, I think getting in that elite quarterback now sets us up here as we start to, to continue through this draft. But pr- pretty interesting so far, Sean. Um, let's see how let's see how we continue to progress here. We won't be too far away at the next two picks from the, the zero RB range. And then we'll be seeing what other sort of uh, scenarios we can fill in here. We're probably into the... Uh, we're into the average fan sweepstakes, Sean, at this point, are we? Yeah, <laughs> we've missed on the main guys. Cole Komet is somebody I would strongly consider. I think that Komet with Justin Fields, who would be the other quarterback I really like for this particular team that gives you two hybrid QBs, a lot of different ways to win. Fields still very inexpensive relative to upside, has that extremely strong third preseason game. The thesis for him, uh, again, is just that he doesn't even have to be good, right? Because they're going to have a lot of garbage time. He's going to scramble quite a bit. He's got the big arm. He's got, at this point, actually some like vaguely undervalued targets. Now, the two guys, they're not necessarily undervalued in their own right, although I think you do want to be targeting them in drafts. But it does give him a little bit more of a one-two punch, I think, than people are giving them credit for. So he's going to score a lot of points, right? And then if he does play well, you've got a league winner on your hand. So commit fields together. I really like that. If Doxon Knox were to fall a long way, then he becomes interesting. If Pat Fryermuth were to fall, then he becomes interesting. But we do have the Albert O, Gerald Everett, Noah Fant potential to fill out the roster late. It's not ideal to do that, but you're going to be taking the best values when you get on the clock. We didn't really, we weren't ever in a position to take an elite tight end in this particular draft. Yeah, unless we go at the the one hundred and four, we weren't really in the in the market for what the options were. But yeah, we'll we'll see now, Sean. As we round now into the eighth round at this particular point of the draft, Rashad Penny, who would have been a target, has gone just at the eight hundred one. Derek Carr goes after that. Aaron Rodgers went at the seven twelve. So I do think the pick of Trey Lance because 
Russell Wilson also went at that point. Quarterbacks drying up here pretty quick. I'm very excited to see how it played out. It is unfortunate for Team 1 how it played out for them. They did auto-draft Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, as I mentioned. But part of that also, Sean, while it was disadvantageous for us to miss out on the quarterback options that were there, we get Trey Lance. It also puts that team in a bind. And anytime other teams are weaker than our team is always a benefit in your 12-team league as you look to advance through the top two. Tom Brady goes off the board and we are ready to get into the conversation among who we will be looking to take here. Three picks before us. At the moment, Ramon Ray Stevenson is there by ADP. Devontae Smith, who I mentioned earlier, is still there. Then after that, this is a team that probably could afford to take DeAndre Hopkins in it, but um, we, we may be better to look a different way. We have the likes of Devin Singletary, Damian Harris also available. If Stevenson gets to us, is he somebody that we... I think he could be interesting here, even though we have been drafting Harris as the zero RB list contender. Yeah, if Stevenson falls to us at the 809, that's quite a bit better than the mid-seventh. It may seem like splitting hairs, but we needed to take Trey Lance, right? I mean, you have to have that quarterback pick in this particular build. Lance has been falling, but again, because of the autograph situation, there was going to be that artificial scarcity. Now, Ramondre Stevenson does go one pick ahead of us. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. I think that he would be a better pick if we had gone with Drake London because then you have the Arizona-Atlanta Week 17 potential shootout. I think this probably needs to be Komet. Yeah, let's go Komet then. Yeah, I would have been very interested in Stevenson there. Obviously, his ADP has climbed into that kind of seventh-round range. You would have been getting a strong discount on him there if he had slid one more pick and. The, the reports and the information coming out in New England is extremely positive around Ramondre Stevenson over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, even though I've kind of flipped with the ADPs, I had been drafting Stevenson in the early portion, moved into Harris now. Um, I think he would have been very, very good value at that point. So when we're looking to wrap around my pick there, Sean, if we hadn't have gone with Komet, I would have went with Devin Singletary. Um, I also think that while it is important to try and correlate lineups, particularly in underdog and the, the size of the fields there. I do think that the way the FFPC tournament is structured, I don't think it's as, as important. Um, I think Hopkins could have been interesting, but I do think when we look at this range of tight end, outside of Fairmouth and Komet, there is quite a, a gap there, and I'm really pushing it all the way down to the Everett and Fantu I, I mentioned earlier on. So I think to get Komet there and Obviously, we talked about potentially getting fields later that would uh, pair in with that as well. So um, Singletary would have been my pick at the last pick. He's still there. Hopefully, we don't lose out in Singletary here. But is he your clear option? Or do you want to go with Harris, who is also at a very similar ADP? I don't have a strong preference. Singletary is somebody where you know there is the potential for that to be a three-way committee. And the Bills mostly just pass the ball. And so you get worried a little bit about that. And yet the upside that he demonstrated down the stretch of last season, absolutely immense. I do think that one of the reasons why he continues to go where he's gone all offseason, one of the things that I've written about recently with Zach Moss emerging, Singletary's price should have dropped from wherever it was, but it should never have been where it was in the first place. So my kind of hypothesis would was that maybe drafters were fixing both problems at the same time. They were kind of correcting his price to where it should be and then discounting it a little bit for the fact that Moss was in the mix. 
it does seem like we had a week there where people were thinking that Moss was going to hurt Singletary the most. Then the community kind of came around to this idea that, you know, this is not good for James Cook. And so he's been knocked back down as well. He's probably at a more viable range. Cook is somebody I went into the draft season wanting to have a lot of, but his price never made sense. And so I have very, very little. It's a little bit like an A.J. Dillon kind of situation where in a vacuum, you love that back and you want to get exposure. And then you're looking at where they're going. And there are just so many better options. And that's not to say that it couldn't work out still. One of the reasons why those guys are so appealing in a vacuum in the first place is because they do have immense upside in the right scenario as we go through these drafts, I mean, fantasy football is basically about appropriately pricing scenarios. And so just because you really like a scenario that a specific player has, and maybe that player is one of your favorites, if you're getting a terrible price on the range of scenarios that they offer to you, I mean, you've, you've got to kind of look in a different direction. That's how you win is you stack a bunch of plays where you have asymmetrical upside as opposed to asymmetrical downside. But Dylan, Cook, Ramondre Stevenson, all guys that it's very easy to see having good seasons, and we understand why drafters are enthusiastic. Yeah, you can see you can one hundred percent see why people are enthusiastic. But it is interesting. You mentioned like the the possible tree headed option, but then you touched on the Packers. Like no doubt about it, it's at least a two running back option. Uh, you look at a lot of these backfields, like even we mentioned the Patriots. Both of those guys, I, I don't think it's going to be a situation that one of those guys is getting you know three down work on a consistent basis i think it is all going to be pretty much split so i haven't been overly scared off by the cook side of things and i also haven't been scared off by the moss side of things but you made a very valid point that singletary probably should have been going in the i don't know maybe the five six range you know and that kind of dead zone and he never made it up into that so it always felt like we were getting that little bit of a discount throughout the process. But even in this draft, um, James Cook did go ahead of Devin Singletary. He went in the eighth round. So still being split. And at the moment, it does feel like most people are a little bit more buzzier on James Cook. We are coming back around. It is a lot of fun, Sean, to have this 30-second clock because it's pretty fun. And we, the other part for us is we're not having to fill as much time with the uh, player takes that we've talked about. We had no times. trouble filling time, Colin. But it is we, fun uh, to to feel the pressure for your heart yeah. to really be beaten for it to go fast and furious yeah when you're when you're on the clock it's like you know at, at some point later in this draft i'll ask you about like player x for the 800th time this season that we've we've talked about him but uh it is it's super fun here as we run into the 10th round but sean we're gonna have options here this is the the zone where we're pretty comfortable and if things do break our way we could come away with uh, two of our favorite candidates here and the zero on running back area i mentioned trail on works as somebody i've been trying to draft he he goes in this range but i think if we can come away with two running backs here it probably sets us up for the the best success um is that kind of what you're thinking we to try and get two of those guys or is there a standout wide receiver or even maybe potential tight end alberto is there that you, you want to make that jump for yeah i was kind of looking that this needed to be damian feel damian harris and justin fields neither of them come back to us yeah. fields is the pick right ahead of us so i do think this now moves into an albert o selection he's someone who has gotten trendier again he should be he's going to have those first four weeks to really establish himself freak athlete great for this format pull the trigger yep i won't mention back to um 
Gerald Everett, not again. Every time I mention Gerald Everett, no fans, Sean drafts another tight end. So we'll we'll try not to mention them over the coming rounds. Trevor Lawrence does go then, next pick after. We're seeing a little bit of a, a quarterback run. That makes it very interesting, Sean, for us to think about quarterbacks. We have, obviously have Trey Lance looking through the rest of our roster, and the options that are available are Tua, James Winston, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Mac Jones. Ryan Tannehill is somebody who I've been continuously kind of targeting in there. It is going to be a little bit interesting to see who we pair with it. Have you anyone that's a, something like really standing out for you when we have a little bit of time to talk here? I know we're not not drafting them now, but I mean, just as an overall draft plan. Yeah, I, I think once you miss on the guys, which we have, that Justin Fields pick. That hurts. It hurts, right. But Marcus Mariota is the player that I have been going with. I think that in tournaments he just is going to outscore all of those players around him by a wide margin until he gets benched and then you, you've got to deal with what the situation is there i mean maybe you take malik willis in the last round and then again you're in position to win the tournament it's not about you know finishing third in your league <laughs> we want to win the entire thing which is how we've built this team there is still that thought out there that zero rb teams are basically the dominant way to play fantasy football but they don't give you that ultimate extreme upside at the very end now that was disproven you know very clearly in 2021 with all of the zero rb running backs who were the highest scorers in the fantasy playoffs right but we want to make sure that we're drafting a team that could have that this year it doesn't do any good that they did well in 2021 now that we're on the clock in a new season it's our pick in the 11th round. Ken Walker, Melvin Gordon, Daryl Henderson, Rashad White, Tyler Eilshier. I'd also throw out Traylon Burks. If you're interested in Ryan Tannehill, I'll go Traylon Burks. But if you want, we'll go with Kenneth Walker, I think. Oh, yeah. We get Traylon Burks. So we I, take Burks there so we can set up Malik Willis for the last round. Is that the play? We'll see how we how we play out here as we, we go through it. Uh, it wasn't... Uh, it, Sean, I said Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is the play uh we'll see how we go here throughout the rest of it maybe we will just risk it and have some fun and, and see who we take later on but it gives us two options we have two options if we want those early points we'll take Tannehill. if we want those late points we'll take uh, we'll take the rookie um it was a little bit tricky there to pass up the running back options we were getting value on them kenneth walker continues to fall melvin garden the one thing i paused me on melvin garden is we do have jerry judy we do have uh albert o I do think that there'll be enough points in the Broncos offense, you know, particularly in a baseball format, but that was giving me a little bit of pause just with him. We did also have the names that you mentioned in Kenneth Walker, Darrell Henderson, Rashad White, Tyler Algier. I do think that some of them could potentially get back to us. That is the hope, uh, but maybe not. Was it hard for you there to pass up the running back options available with just the one running back drafted so far? And you're mentioning zero RB as the, build here and how that can work in this format i felt and this is a situation where we have uh six run six wide receivers to start but i'm always trying to get that seventh and eighth wide receiver in the lineup where was the balance there for you between trail on works and and one of those running backs we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. The running backs there are all very appealing. And I wouldn't be surprised if the league winner comes out of that group. We're actually kind of playing it to hope that one of them comes back and then take someone maybe from the next tier down in round 13. My thought here is that, I mean, this is a format and you have to kind of be constantly making those very tiny mindset shifts between say this format and the superflex format where we've drafted a lot of teams and that format with the second qb essentially taking one of the wide receiver spots we would not have made that pick right it's not quite as wide receiver heavy but this is a four wide receiver start format and now occasionally if you have multiple really good tight ends you're going to have some tight end scores in there just purely because so many things can happen during any week of a best ball season you're going to have some running back scores and one of the strange things that happened to us down the stretch last year on our team that finished second is we actually had running backs and tight ends in all the time our wide receiver group fell apart and they were not scoring it was the receiving points that let us down we actually had points that, that if we could have only gone with one receiver in week we would have won <laughs> we could have gone across the gap now i mean connor may have very well scored more points as well as as might have the, the team in third. I'm not sure about that. And that's not the way it works. So, I mean, the conversation is kind of beside the point. But the idea is that you want to have a lot of different potential ways to fill the flex, all of which could be really high upside. Again, we're not playing for the floor. That's not going to win you your league. It's not going to win the tournament. But if you can have six of the top 15 wide receivers, if you can have seven of the top 20 wide receivers, you can take some low scores at some of the other positions from time to time you'll make it through into the tournament and then you still have this extreme upside in so many different ways to win we're going to need the late running backs to score we do have those two tight ends which gives us a little bit of flexibility i would really like to get either everett or fant late this is a three tight end format right so we're still looking for another impact player there as well trey mcbride somebody we draft in round 20 a lot i'm still fairly enthusiastic about that She'd be getting more enthusiastic about it. Not pretty. She'd be getting even more enthusiastic. My enthusiasm is is true. It's at it's at an all time high. Yeah, it is. The uh, just when I thought the ownership percentage couldn't get any higher, it's it's continued to grow. So we did not talk. Oh, sorry. Kenneth Walker does go at the twelve oh three. That's going to be a good price on him. Yeah. When he does come back and start playing, we're still hoping that Rashad White or Tyler Algier can make it through. Although I do have to say, Colin. Or Kenneth At this point, I'm so high on Raheem Mostert that, mm. I mean, I almost don't want to risk 
losing him. His ADP over the last five or six days is 1309. Algier, middle of 13. Rashad White, middle of 11. Zach Moss, middle of round 12 here. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I am in, I am interested to see how the uh, Bills running back situation goes, but I, I just have would have no interest at that point in, in Moss. Uh, we are getting close, though, Sean, to, to coming back, um, and that was the 12.05 for people listening. That's where Moss has gone here today. We are going to have an option, though, Sean. You mentioned Mostert. My feeling here would be to take one of the other guys and see if Mostert gets back. If you want to play it, that we go with Mostert and see who comes back from Algier White or Gainwell. Pacheco's in the mix for us as well. The goal here is, I think, is to get two of those guys. Um, but we also have no Fant in the mix here. But I, I would be waiting on tight end at this point with the two tight ends that we have. Which way do you want to play it? One pick away here. Michael Carter goes off the board, who would also have been interesting. But do you want to risk Raheem Mostert? Or do you want to take Gainwell and White, who have both slept a little bit here in terms of ADP. Yeah, the other player who has slipped is Gerald Everett. So I'll let you make the pick. Okay, so we'll go with Rashad White. He is the player. I was sure when I said I'll let you go with the pick, you were going to say that you took Gerald Everett. I don't know if it's possible to get your exposure over 100%, but (laughs) I mean, I probably need a few drafts where Gerald Everett does not define the entire season fortunately i mean gerald everett is going to be one of three tight ends on most of those teams so there are a couple of other outs but we are very very high on him garrett wilson goes in the 13th round which is maybe one of the most absurd things in fantasy raheem mostert does not make it back to us sean was right i was wrong let the record show Wendell Robinson goes, and we are back up, Sean. We have that Everett option. We also have Algier or Pacheco as the other options here for me. Sean gets his guy. We get Everett. Yeah, it's fair. It's just he's one of those players, a bit like I joked earlier with Trey McBride, and even, to be honest, even with Ronald Jones, as his ADP continued to fall, I have, as much as I've tried at times not to draft him, I, I have ended up drafting him you know, over and over again. But Everett is one of those players who the value just seems absurd at this point off the off the draft season. Um, just so is that is, obviously you have been on the Everett bandwagon since the very very start here. But is it a case of like even like this where we passed on him in the last round and he comes back? It just sometimes just proves to be impossible not to draft him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't get it, and I, I don't get it. it <laughs> You don't want to be at that exposure level on the players, but it's much easier to do it late. I mean, just like we were on KJ Hamler and on all the teams last year, he drops the long pass early, then he gets hurt. The teams still do fine, right? You have to have your, you have to have that mix of early round players for the, your teams to win. You need the early round guys to more or less stay healthy. It's not that you're going to have a clean run. For example, one of the things, even looking at that final 12 last season in this particular tournament, you know, you don't have a lot of teams that, or really any teams where everybody is healthy. You're looking to have most of your key guys healthy. And the thing that we were kind of sweating all down the stretch of that week, and probably the 
only real low point of that entire week. I mean, it was just, it was such a fun, it was such a fun week. And, and we hope everybody gets a chance to experience that at some point during their fantasy football careers. The only real low point was when Elijah Moore, a player we drafted in the sixth round today, was ruled out that week because it was kind of the, the final nail in the coffin for our receiving core. Obviously, he would have brought a ton of upside for that. But you're going to have to be able to win with 14, 15 players in week 17. And so your team has to reflect that. It has to have those different paths. But one of the things I'm also looking to do is to manage the bankroll in a way that any given year is not going to be a killer because you don't want to be constantly taking shares of players who aren't nearly as good in order to protect yourself a little bit. Then you just cannibalize the upside that you have to create this monster season and i know there's a lot of talk of you know the way that you're really profitable long term in best ball is to win tournaments but <laughs> these tournaments have a lot of people in them right i mean if, if you're gonna mostly lose and you're hoping to have one unique lineup come through and win a tournament for you that that's a tricky path and so we want to make sure, and I would encourage everybody, I and mean, we're very enthusiastic about the FFPC, about Underdog, about these different formats. We play a lot. We have a lot of fun with it. Don't spend money that you don't have, please. And you know, make sure that you're set up to be able to do this wonderful hobby for more than just the 2022 season. Having said that, Colin, we're going to be playing a lot of teams this week. Yeah, a lot. Um I was, I was joking with Sean after we finished recording the main event. I was saying when the season starts, it may be less busy. Usually the, the end season grind, but we are, uh, we're having too much fun. No, Sean, that's the thing. Even the nights where we are not recording, we're not drafting together. I'm just uh, having to jump into those into those draft rooms and have some fun. Um, just, just too much fun to pass up. You made a good point, though, around bankroll. It is very important to obviously plan that out ahead of time and also know that when you get to a certain point that, that is the amount that you had allocated. The other thing is, it's so fantastic about best ball at the minute is there's different price points for all these different tournaments. So that is uh, the added upside. You can go into the, the lower cost, lower stakes options as well. Sean, we do not get Noah Fant, who probably wasn't in the mix for us anyway, but he's somebody we like to update as it goes along. Pacheco went off the board, but we are in a situation where Algier may get back to us. We're also in a kind of a potential quarterback zone here as well, but for me, I think Algier would be my clear pick here if he makes it back to us. Is that the way you're feeling? Two picks away? It is. I'm probably going to make a pitch for us to take two quarterbacks in rounds 19 and 20 and hammer these running backs until then. Okay. As long as you don't make a pitch for us to draft two quarterbacks in these two rounds, I'm okay. <laughs> so so we've kind of circled around and gotten to the same page. We are one pick away on Tyler Algier. He is not the selection. Kyle KJ Osborne goes. Curtis has made a good pitch for KJ Osborne in our guy behind the guy. It gets more complicated now that they have Jalen Rager there who the Vikings in part acquired because there are plenty of reports that Rager has actually played extremely well in training camp. I think that he could factor into that team. I think it does get a little bit more convoluted now for Osborne, for Irv Smith, for Adam Thielen. I mean, there's a reason that we actually see Justin Jefferson go ahead of Jonathan Taylor in a lot of drafts. And if you're listening to the pod and you haven't done a ton of drafts, I mean, it happens a lot, <laughs> right? And 
the reason is Justin Jefferson's going to catch all the passes in Minnesota. So we're glad that we're able to get our running back there. Do you have a must draft player here, Colin? I've done a number of main events at this point, but there's a high volume drafter who's been in almost all of them who takes Eno Benjamin very early. You talk about pricing the different scenarios. I thought that maybe I was the highest person in all of fantasy on Eno Benjamin, but I, c- I couldn't get any shares at that price. He would probably be the guy who seems like he could be this year's James Conner. I mean, he's younger. He's more athletic. He does bring a three-down skill set. It seems like people were excited about his twirling, diving backward catch in the third preseason game. After he didn't really put up highlights in the first two preseason games, that may have made people feel a little bit more comfortable about him as the high upside handcuff. Do you see some more running backs here? There are other choices. Jerick McKinnon, Amir Abdullah, Brian Robinson, somebody, even though he's going to miss the beginning of the season, I think gets interesting late, but probably not yet now. Yeah, Robinson is the other name, but Eno Benjamin was the, when you asked if there was somebody who clearly stood out, he is the he's the name so i think we take benjamin we see what happens with robin robinson's hard to pin down because obviously when we look at the tools on rotoviz we can see where he's gone in the last you know certain amount of drafts certain amount of days but when you look on the ffpc by adp it's always going to show that he's the biggest value on the board at this particular moment in time i think though that he is interesting at this point to sprinkle into some teams like this like if he comes back in the next round he would be a priority target for me the thing i think is so interesting with him is if it's a case and the reports seem to indicate and sometimes reports can be overly positive you know around injuries and when people could recover but if he came back even week six and is the lead back in that offense you know he was all all the way up kind of to eight eight nine round range in terms of you know two weeks ago before the unfortunate incident happened and you'd be getting that potentially in a, a baseball tournament where really where you want to have those teams getting stronger is when we get to the end of the season so if you're getting somebody who started as a zero rb candidate who then became a not a target who now is back in that range if he did actually manage to come back and be healthy even by the midpoint of the season i think he could be he could be a league one and running back for some of these teams so he is he's very interesting you mentioned benjamin look i i love james connor he was amazing for us last year I actually think where he's starting to slide now is quite interesting. He went in this in the mid-third. Sometimes you do see him in the fourth-round range. But Eno Benjamin is, is in a prime spot there. James Conner is not going to get 100% of the work. And Eno Benjamin should be in the mix there with a very, very high potential for upside, even without an injury to James Conner. But if anything was to happen there, it just becomes it becomes a, a, an insane spot for Eno Benjamin. Sean gets him today, but at the moment we have running back core of Rashad White, Devin Singletary, Tyler Algier, Eno Benjamin. I'm, I'm starting to get very excited about that running back room. The place, though, Sean, we should really be excited about is the wide receivers. We have Cooper Cup, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks. I'm starting to, as the draft progresses, enjoy that. I, I've said this on a few podcasts with you recently. I've been drafting both the Tennessee wide receivers, but I've been trying to get the one who is last, and Traylon Burks conti- continues to slide down boards but that pick is looking even better with how the next four picks after that went with the three running backs and gerald everett everett is in there with albert o cole Komet, and then a quarterback we have trey lance quarterback at the minute is probably the the most standout need for us as ryan Tannehill did go off the board at the 15 12 
Brian Robinson went off the board then to the same draft at the 1601. But as you may mentioned earlier, the pitch is probably going to be two very, very late quarterbacks because in the range that we would look usually to get somebody like a, a Trey McBride, um, we are probably out of that zone at the moment with the three tight ends that we have. And we're also in a range here where we really do like some of the running backs that are coming up over the next couple of picks. We should have an option at the likes of Jarek McKinnon, uh, Amir Abdullah will be in the mix. So we'll see how that plays out. There's some interesting wide receiving options. So at the moment, things setting up nicely, but it, it feels like these next three rounds are are likely to be wide receiver running back picks. Yeah, and unless we somehow get stuck without an option, I think they're probably all running back picks. Yeah, I agree. We have in the queue, Sean, one pick away. I mentioned McKinnon. Uh, you've added in P. Ryan. We have Amir Abdullah, Ronald Jones are in there. Uh, we are on the clock. Have you a strong preference to, as to who we lean to there at, at running back? Well, probably McKinnon, unless you don't want both McKinnon and Jones. I think Amir Abdullah is probably the other guy who is a stretch to get back to us and has that James White upside. Yeah, I haven't got Abdullah much, so I'm I'm willing to go in and get Abdullah here if you want to do that and see then because we have two shots at the Chiefs backfield the other way. I just I I've kind of been trying to see by ADP will he get back? You mentioned you know Benjamin Abdullah has been the one for me where he just seems to go before it gets back to me on all those occasions. So I, I think he has is upside there. I've mentioned this on a few shows recently, and I've had a few people ask about it as well, but. With the running back position, and Sean, I don't know, I've said this on shows, I don't know if you put as much emphasis on it, but I, it's just something with tiebreakers I really like is building up the running back room with no mixed bye weeks. So we have five running backs at this point with no mixed bye weeks. And part of that is the strength of the running back. Sometimes you don't, you can't afford if you have three of them off in the same week. But um, if we now get one of the Chiefs running backs, we would be into a situation where we have, still no correlation so it would give us a lot of flexibility to fill those two slots which we'll have to fill and then potentially give us the upside if, if we have big weeks that we can slide those other guys in we are about to be on the clock but is that something sean i haven't i don't think i've asked you this is that something that you do pay any attention to or is it just a tiebreaker situation it's mostly a tiebreaker i think that if you can get that you definitely want it because taking a zero in any given week because you have an injury as well. I mean, these guys aren't going to all stay healthy. That zero could be the thing that keeps you from advancing. And the very first thing is we have to advance to make these power teams do what we want them to do. Now, Jarrett McKinnon goes, Marcus Mariota, I was going to make a pitch for taking him here. He goes, that causes us some potential problems. What are you thinking? Ronald Jones here to kind of balance back out our, our Chiefs? Yeah, I think we go Ronald Jones. It is a bit of a reach by ADP, but when we look at the other players that are in this range, uh, I'm happy to do that and, and get him there. The other running back that I've talked about drafting a lot of is Chris Evans goes there, but yeah, and Sony Michelle. But Sean, I'm, I'm talking about balancing out exposures to Chris Evans and Sony Michelle with Ronald Jones, who I've probably now drafted at this point more than both of them. So that, well, that, I'll just stop that. Colin, what's your take on Ronald Jones making the team and then not? jumping back up i know there are some analysts who wanted to see him cut and we saw that work out really nicely for sony michelle and yeah. Kenyon drake i'm not convinced that jones if he doesn't make the chiefs falls into such a good situation although maybe he would i mean i wouldn't have predicted that sony michelle would have jumped right back into potentially being the backup with 
the Austin. Chargers yeah. either. <laughs> so, uh, my take is that in terms of landing spot and being in an offense, being on the being on the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs is the best situation you're probably going to be in outside of being on the offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it didn't work out for him as well in Tampa, but I just think the upside of being in that offense, and even if he is the fourth running back on the depth chart, there is going to be injuries and there is going to be shifts in that depth chart based on performance. So you mentioned when you were drafting with Ben recently that you know you want to see him when the, I guess when it's like live rounds, when they are in the action and when the actual full team offense is out there to see how Ronald Jones does in that situation. I think, you know, talent-wise, if he can just... It's just a case if we've always said this, if it all comes together for him. But, yeah, I think he's better off being on the Chiefs roster. And we also talked about recently where we should also know if it... It's not going to matter in baseball, but if it's a redraft situation, if he's a, a game-day active or inactive. But it is a long-term play sometimes with these late guys. Like, we're getting them in the 17th round. I was drafting them based on the same kind of thought process that we have now in the you know, 11th, 12th round. So um, I think we're getting a big discount. I'm surprised he hasn't jumped up. I think the thing with Ronald Jones is the people who continue to draft him like us will continue to draft him. And the people who weren't drafting him at the start just think that he is you know, a very bad running back that's not going to have any value this year. So I, I think that's why it hasn't rebounded because there'll be a lot of drafts where he continues to slide. And if, if we didn't draft him there, he probably goes in the 20th round. So then our next question is this 18th round pick. And you mentioned that you have a lot of Chris Evans. It looks like Samaj P. Ryan is the clear cut number two there in Cincinnati. Yeah. Reports are that he's had a fantastic training camp. He's one of these guys who's actually a three down back. He could fill in for Joe Mixon and almost completely replace that production without any loss if mm -hmm. Mixon were to go down. Bengals, obviously, one of the most explosive offenses in football. I have some Evans from a period there where it looked reasonably favorable. I have a ton of P Ryan in the last 10 days. So I don't necessarily need to have more. I really like Ty Chandler. We could probably push him to round 20 and draft a, a quarterback here. So we don't get kind of boxed out of even the terrible guys. Um, we wouldn't, we're not considering Deshaun Watson, but he has been selected for his late season upside. I guess for me here, it's probably P Ryan or Pickett. But there are other directions we could go. So we are one pick away. We're just kind of seeing how it'll it'll play out. I'm interested. The two quarterbacks. You've you've three quarterbacks and or four quarterbacks. The two rookies and Ritter and Willis. Then we have Pickett and Wilson. Pickett and Wilson would also give us stacking options with our wide receivers that we have drafted. So I would be interested in taking one of them potentially at this pick if you wanted to go with a, a quarterback at this pick and see what happens then if we do get P Ryan back to us. What's your thoughts there? Well, I, or do you not want to risk P Ryan? I probably, I guess, don't want to risk P Ryan because Pickett has a week nine buy, so he's really not—he's not a great option for us yeah. either. But that's why I'm also thinking that Wilson may be the play here to make sure we don't end up with two week nine buys for our two quarterbacks. Colin, what's the what's the recent update on Zach Wilson? It seems to me like. <laughs> Oh, were you John? saying Wilson on that pick? I thought you meant P. Yeah. Ryan and then Wilson. I guess I'm having a hard time coming around to Wilson because, number one, he's terrible, and number two, he's hurt. Those seem yeah. like pretty big red flags, even for a guy where we drafted one of his receivers. Definitely being bad and being hurt, is, they're both red flags. I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I was just thinking is that we are going to be in a situation where we're probably drafting uh, – we are. There's not, we're, not, we're not probably. We're drafting quarterbacks that, you know, the – you're hoping that Lance is 
starting most weeks and they're going to have to slot on at certain points comes back again too if we can avoid those guys probably having similar bye weeks where we get into a situation then if we did have for example and zach wilson has gone unfortunately if we end up now with somebody like pickett that means that week nine whoever our third quarterback is we're potentially taking a zero that week unless things work out for example if they get injured um zach wilson still is a young quarterback who there is room to improve it he may not but in terms of the offense if this offense i think had a high-end quarterback we would look at it in a completely different light they've really put the pieces around him so um i still think there's a chance that he he steps forward he isn't an option for us now though sean we have p ryan what are we thinking we're going quarterback quarterback here Pickett is probably the option even though it's a risk for that zero but we have to think bigger picture as well i mean is malik willis completely off the board for you because you have so much Tannehill? i it seems like this i don't have so much Tannehill. i'm i'm good with that too he just seems like the guy who I just feel like I'm the Ryan Tannehill, like the only person supporting Ryan Tannehill. I think I'm like his emotional <laughs> support drafter or something like that. But uh, yeah, part of it is that, again, this this is part of the thing of a projected start or projected volume. We have a situation where I'm drafting his pass catchers. So in times, he's a very cheap option to add in. He has gone here, but yeah, Willis. There's a few drafts recently where I've taken, for example, you mentioned Marcus Mariota. I have gone with Ritter just because you're thinking – lance is getting you those early season points and you want to have that upside in the playoffs so if there's a chance that willis is the starter this year it's going to be i don't know i guess after their bye week you know into that that kind of range so um you know that's only week six so you're probably thinking like between weeks 10 and 12 he probably actually does come in to be the starter if the team aren't winning i i mentioned this on the show that we did recently sean that i think the titans are going to be very good again this year which a lot of the time if the team is winning and they're in the run for the division they're in the run for the playoffs there might be a little bit more reluctance to change unless the quarterback plays very poor and i think ryan Tannehill is serviceable enough that that's probably not gonna be the case for him but we get willis there it potentially gives us a a rookie to rookie stack with him and trail on borks as well if that did come on later in the season um yeah not completely not completely against that sean it wasn't the case and i'm glad that i've made the case that ryan Tannehill is my boy even though that may not be the case. <laughs> so you put Sam Howell in the queue here because we know that he actually is going to beat out Carson Wentz pretty quickly. We could just play this purely through Trey Lance. He is going to be one of the three or four highest scoring fantasy quarterbacks this that's season. The, that that's obviously the hope. The one tricky part there, you know, we're giving ourselves those pathways, and this team is probably it doesn't matter. It's probably bust of Lance gets injured anyway but you want to try and leave those doors open so is, is your conversation well, there, i think it is a bust if he gets hurt yeah i think you know unless it happens to correlate perfectly to the breakout of malik willis as the starter for the <laughs> for the titans so we as part of this i'm just coming in probably trying to preempt what you were thinking as part of that to have a two quarterback build here as a pitch yeah, I think that would be a possibility to go with Ty Chandler late. I think that Ritter, Pickett, and Howell are all interesting selections. Obviously, Ritter and Howell are similar to Willis, but they would give you two shots at that profile. I think because, again, we didn't draft any of the Falcons receiving weapons in this draft, which is pretty unusual for me. I have Pitts in London on a huge percentage of teams. Ritter becomes a little bit less interesting. I think it would be fine to go with Pickett for the third guy. A weird one. We're talking about the same third guy. Uh, well, Geno Smith isn't taken yet, but 
I, I still think that there's a chance that if there's an injury that Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded. But the other thing that Jimmy Garoppolo could potentially do to give you that upside as Pickett has gone off the board is if something happened to Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo would then be the starter for the 49ers. Um, yeah, not I something know. I would tend to do, but it, um, that's just something I'm putting out there. We're we're living and dying with Trey Lance here. He's, okay. he's going to make it through. And what about Gino? Well, I mean, as much DK Metcalf and Noah Fant as we've drafted, obviously there is the potential for him too. We have them on this roster is the interesting thing. <laughs> right, right. We don't have them on this roster. He he would be somebody that I wouldn't be against uh, having in just as a third body at the quarterback position. And to be honest, he probably becomes the second option for points for quarterback throughout the season versus Malik Willis. Well, this discussion right here is why the roster construction explorers show you so definitively that you need to have two QBs in the window. We tried that with Justin Fields. He didn't quite get back to us. We had a three QB early build from one of the drafters who unfortunately auto-picked an extra guy. I think this for me is Ty Chandler or Sam Howell. Do you have... I have no Sam Howell yet if you want to go Sam Howell. So Colin, we like to do these unique teams. Occasionally, again, it is rounds 19 and 20. I, I feel pretty strongly that you don't want to be drafting players who are... Number one, not particularly good. Number and two, are yeah, more or less not playing. When you're drafting like the the fourth and fifth wide receivers on teams in order to get leverage for the week 17 final, that's going to hurt your team overall, right? And the chances that that actually is the play that works out in the end, as opposed to those shootouts benefiting the starters and then the big time players from other teams coming through i mean you think about connor's team last year and if i'm remembering correctly dalvin cook and aj brown two of his absolute superstars did not even get into his week 17 lineup that's how good his team was that's what you want to draft is a team that has so many good players that you don't even need dalvin cook and aj brown to win the whole thing you don't want teams where your last round picks are throwaways on these very 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 narrow paths now the flip side of that, and what we're kind of playing here, is this idea that we've had all along. You do want to stick by what you believe is the evidence and the evaluation on specific players. One of the things that we talked about from a dynasty perspective this year is that Malik Willis and Sam Howell, maybe Malik Willis was a little bit overvalued at times, but that both of those guys had the perfect fantasy profile, just the perfect one. And especially Sam Howell is massively, massively underrated. It's really bizarre that he did not go in the top 10 picks of the draft. And I'll stand by that forever, right? And we've, there are plenty of top 10 picks who busted. So even if Sam Howell ends up not becoming a great quarterback, that doesn't mean that he didn't deserve to be picked in the top 10. You look at his overall profile with the arm, the production, the rushing ability, the overall physicality, you know, his willingness to battle and do different things for his team when his team needed it. He should have been a top 10 pick. It was very, very clear. I have no idea what the NFL was doing. And certainly all of the teams who needed a viable second option, like we needed viable second and third options in this fantasy draft, should have made that pick because the quarterback position is so much more valuable. Even right now, Washington could turn right around and trade Sam Howell for a second round pick. And <laughs> that's just based on him playing well in a couple of preseason games, something that was almost guaranteed based on what he's done as a football player in the past, right? Production translates. Production with athleticism translates even more. Carson Wentz is not particularly good. I expect Sam Howell to beat him out at some point this season. 
Ryan Tannehill, we do like. I think he's undervalued. I don't think he's a good fantasy quarterback, which is one of the reasons why I'm never really pressing for him in these drafts. Now, I do have a few column one you and I did together where we took a couple of those guys, again, like that 17-18 round range, I believe Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill, when we got boxed out like this. One of the things that we're doing in these drafts is we're trying to make sure we're getting decent prices on the player targets. If you're constantly reaching for your guys to make sure you never miss, then you also never get the value of getting them at a good level and so that's what happened to us here at qb and one of the things that we like is we do have some qbs we like at the end and as a result we'll play some of these teams i believe we played a team with blair the other day when we recorded that had a similar sort of dynamic where the quarterback situation was not what we wanted and it doesn't reflect what we have on most teams at the same time if we get to the fantasy playoffs and either willis or howell is the other is the starter on their team and can be our second starter for this team then number one i expect that to be fairly unique these guys are not being drafted a lot number two what it allowed us to do is to put together a team through 18 rounds that is absolutely fantastic otherwise but then also we didn't take all of the compromised quarterbacks who are going to do nothing for you and that's the way that our team through 18 rounds differentiates itself from those other teams that maybe even had a similar kind of mindset with it where it's like well we'll be really good through 18 rounds and then we'll try and figure out what to do at the quarterback position i think that a lot of the rhetoric around well how do you build a team to win the whole thing can get you off path and i have no problem if the listeners <laughs> thinking to themselves right now you guys seem like you did get off path here but again i mean these are the kinds of guys who if they play could be very very relevant they could be the players who determine the overall title so we want to have a little bit of exposure to them and the way that you get exposure is when you risk it and miss that's when you have your exposure you don't want to plan to get expo exposure to these players that wouldn't be the right way to do it yeah and you mentioned a lot of the points i was thinking about making here and one of them is the uniqueness this roster you mentioned is going to live and die by trey lance but if it's a situation that either willis or how well are the starter for their team even by mid-season even late season even if it's the playoffs it gives you that extra option but they are not being drafted which makes it very very unique also to be paired with the players that we have as well and the zero rb build is going to be even more unique so it's going to give you that that upside but you mentioned through those 18 rounds like this team is is loaded the thing is that you're going to have to give up on other positions and in this draft we had to give up on quarterback but even for like tight end we have cole Komet, alberto and gerald everett so I have no concerns about tight end at all in this. Wide receiver, I have absolutely no concerns. We have Cup, Higgins, A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, and Traylon Burks. Then at running back, Sean, I think we probably could even have went with less running backs based on what we ended up getting. We have Devin Singletary, Rashad White, Tyler Algieri, No Benjamin, Amir Abdullah, Ronald Jones, and Samaji P. Ryan. I think, again, a great combination of players to have together there. And when we look through the entire part, I mentioned earlier about the correlations with certain players. When we look through those running backs, none of those running backs have mixed bye weeks. Um, then when we look through the rest of the team, we do have some wide receiver side ends. I mentioned we took some of the Broncos. Week 9 has a couple of players out week 10. But this is a team where every single week, and again, I don't mind the bye weeks, but you don't want to have like seven players with the same bye week or that week that you're a little bit up against it to actually have a lineup but we have a lot of flexibility throughout the season so my thought process here sean is if we look at this from like the range of outcomes and be very positive 
those two quarterbacks starting at any point of the season, this team is is a real, real contender, I think. It is. The one thing we might have gone back and done differently, when we had those QB options that looked like they were going to come around. Those are still good prices on those QBs in round six. Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, that's where they go. And yeah, Hurts on this team instead of Elijah Moore, I think, is the way to play it. So that's something that we could have done. It would have been fine to take Trey Lance still and have a Hertz Lance team or a Murray Lance team. I like that quite a bit. I do have a variety of teams with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray together. Those teams obviously going <laughs> to score more points at QB than a Trey Lance, Malik Willis, Sam Howell team is going to. Any other changes you would make to the roster now that you have a chance to slow down, look back, see what actually transpired and have the benefit of hindsight? I think that that would be something that would improve the roster. So you're saying like we, if we have, for example, Jalen Hurts stacked with AJ Brown, and then maybe we pass on Trey Lance and hope that Elijah Moore or Drake London makes it back to us. In that particular period from the six, seven turn, we take Elijah Moore, then Lamar Jackson, Dallas Goddard, who we kind of touched on briefly, uh, and then Murray and Hurts go off the board before London and Kirk. So there is a chance that we could have done that before we take Trey Lance. But when we would look at that, even if we went back and paused the draft as it was then we would have looked at the team in the fifth slot and we would have said well they already have justin herbert realistically they're not going to go qb qb there to have three quarterbacks through seven rounds so we probably would have thought that there's a very limited chance that all those guys would go so we could have went then and took hearts but i don't think we're guaranteed then to get more or london who are our options um and then when we look at the players that go after that it's like lazard cooper robert woods who i mentioned but i don't really want to re- you know get woods in the seventh round that were into like Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Trey Edmonds. We probably would have at that point, Sean, I think if if it was a case, we would have went for the second quarterback. I think that's the only way we really come out of that. The other option would have been to reach for Rashad Penny. So there is options there, but I, I'm not against how it has actually played out here for us. I do think though Hearts versus Lance may have been the the better option for this team, but we probably would have ended up going QB QB there. The advantage of that then is we would have not had to take two quarterbacks late we would have went with a two quarterback build and then we would have had some other extra options at the back end of the draft but sometimes when i look at these drafts and look back it's a case of if it's only one pick or two picks that you're looking to switch around the dynamic of the entire rest of the draft could have played out completely different and then you don't end up with singletary white algier benjamin abdullah jones and p ryan for example or you don't end up getting that trail on works with the everett pick you know depending on how that their one section of the draft goes a lot of things could change so i think overall i'm, I'm pretty happy with it but yeah in a perfect world we don't take elijah moore there we take jalen hurts and then we see what our options are when it when it does come back around at that time of the that discussion my hope was that we were going to get darnell mooney who went one pick before elijah moore so if, if Mooney doesn't go there I'm going wide receiver over quarterback as well looking back if Mooney lasted and this is a very hypothetical question would you have went Mooney over the quarterback or would you in hindsight take Jalen Hurts there I like Mooney a lot I do think that once you miss on the elite tight ends then probably my favorite way to play it is to at least plan for the possibility of taking commit not the guarantee and not that you're going to force a plan for that possibility to go come that field one of the things here that i play in a lot of drafts some certainly don't have any problem with having some that are the opposite way but there are a few teams where both receivers are undervalued and 
as a result, you're trying to create as much flexibility later by maybe not having the first guy. One of the things that happens is if you have AJ yeah. Brown, you don't have the same flexibility to take Devonte Smith, who is just a fantastic value. When you take Elijah Moore, then you don't have the same Darkness. flexibility to take Garrett Wilson, who is the most undervalued player in all of fantasy football. Drake London has a 711 ADP. And so if we take Hertz in the sixth, then you don't know that London's going to come back. I mean, I often take him at the six, seven turn. There are going to be other drafters out there like that as well, but there's a very good chance that he comes back and you don't necessarily want to constantly be picking him ahead of, you know, where he goes. So we could go Hertz London. That would free us up to take Garrett Wilson later. Now, again, I'm, Wilson is one of my highest exposures. So I'm glad to have a team here. I do have quite a bit of Elijah Moore. It probably sounds strange to have that and to have absolutely no interest in the Jets quarterbacks. And yet I think that we're going to see multiple guys play for the Jets this year. I don't think that we're going to have a lot of other value to the peripheral pieces. At, at this point, it's not even necessarily a situation where Garrett Wilson will be the number two target in week one. That's one of the reasons he falls so far. But I think when you're talking about week six, week seven, this offense is going to be Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, and Brees Hall. And if it works that way, then, I mean, there are paths for either of these guys to be very, very viable in fantasy and have the quarterback not be somebody that you need as part of it or that you want as part of it, that you want to have exposure to. So that's kind of the way that I'm thinking about the Jets, if we haven't articulated that enough to this point. I really like Mooney. I like him better, I think, when he's a value and when he comes already with an elite tight end in tow. I like him on those Kyle Pitts teams a lot. Now, as you pointed out, he would have been a value if he had fallen to us in the sixth round in this draft. So that part of it would have been in place. It's just a matter of not having Pitts or Mark Andrews already on the team. Yeah, that's really the dynamic that if we could go back and look at it, we we might make some different choices, but we do, again, like the way that the, the team played out. Colin, are there any other changes to the team that you would make here as we finish up i think the other one that i would potentially think about is where the justin fields pick happened that's not something we can change i think that would change the dynamic of our roster i don't think there's any chance that we would have taken him where he goes in the 10th round um so that would be the only other thing if we have fields we don't have to have the other concerns so we basically having two quarterbacks in the exact window where Fields is kind of our last guy when we talk about potential window um, is probably the one that we would change. So to either have Hurts with Lance or to have Fields with Hurts or Lance is probably the only other thing. But overall, I think I really love how this roster has turned out. Quarterback's a concern, but I do think when you're trying to win major tournaments, I think when you're drafting a volume of teams like we are, I think you have to take some risks as well to try and, you know, push the boat a little bit and see how things play out but really fun draft again this is in the ffpc 125 dollar tournament it is a case that this here is getting pretty close to uh to filling up in terms of the final standings i'm actually doing this live while we're talking in case people are interested in jumping in at the time of recording this there's 700 spots open so it will obviously fill before the season starts here but it's getting pretty close it's 125 dollars to enter two thousand dollars top prize over one million dollars in total prizes so get over it get involved if you can obviously sean mentioned earlier important 
to consider bankroll management if it is a, a case. But they also have opened up a third tournament for the Superflex format. It is $35 to play. So head on over, check that out if you are interested. We love the FFPC. They've uh, they've always been a great supporter of the Rotoviz Radio Network. But Sean, we are going to have an update on the contest winners. I did tweet that out over the last couple of days. We're going to hold that off for the next show because we may have some... The, the contest was so... I don't know, stealing bananas, but we'll just say it was bananas, Sean. Uh, it was uh, amazing to get all those different um, comments in, the reviews, the different submissions. People really went above and beyond, and we were blown away by it. So Sean will be drafting with two people in the FBG tournament over at or in the FBG tournament over at the FFPC. But Sean was so blown away, he's thinking about sneaking in some extra prizes for other people. So we'll have an update on that over the next episode or so. Um, but until we are back with another show, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Subscribe to both this feed, all the Rotoviz feeds in general. I hope you're subscribed to, but we have a lot of content coming out over the next couple of days. I know that Curtis Patrick is doing a live stream on YouTube, which will already have happened by the time you hear this. But he's drafting a main event and an FBG draft at the same time, which he's posting as the flagship show podcast for their Tuesday edition. So, yeah, sh- should be a fun one if he can keep all that on track at the same time. So check out all the other Rotoviz radio content. But until we're back with another show, thank you for tuning in. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Martin and check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with the next episode, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.